I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cap here on VSIN. Happy to be with you. It's the middle of the week. We're still here. Yes, sir. Look at that. I'm Jeff Parles. He's Greg Peterson. Happy to be with you. Uh, really giant sports book behind us here at Circa. And uh, we're on the big screen tonight. So uh, anyone who has to look at us, at least, apologies in advance. I made sure to wear my best suit tonight. <laughs> uh, happy to be with you. A good show lined up for you today. Uh, William Hill. Our guy who writes for Point Spread Weekly will be with us at the bottom of the hour, uh, 745 Pacific. And then Ryan Ballinger going to be on to fully break down anything we've missed so far with the Open Championship, which, by the way, Greg, starts 45 minutes after we're done here tonight. That is absolutely tremendous, being someone that I am up in the wee hours of the morning. I will be able to watch some golf while being able to do some handicapping of my baseball, everything like that. So I am very much looking forward to that. Should be a good time. I, I look, I'm very excited. I know you'll be awake. Oh, it'll, be, yeah. it'll be a to be determined if I'll be awake today, Greg. I'll put the money on yes. I'll put the money. I, <laughs> be close. Be very close. There is an a, a NBA Finals is continuing tonight. Yes, it is. But a Drew Holiday just cannot make a shot tonight. It's really been a struggle for him. Three minutes to go in the second quarter. Drew Holiday at the line. If he makes the second, we will have a tie game at 45. So we trend under so far in this one, Greg. And there have been a lot of hubbub so far in this game on the drive-in of just Giannis not looking 100% there tonight for whatever reason. If it's uh, if he's just fatigued from how much and how well he played earlier in this season. Uh, but Giannis so far tonight... Ho-hum, 10 points, 6 boards, 3 assists. Uh, it's been Middleton so far carrying the load for Milwaukee with 13. And Devin Booker off of that brutal game 3 has been phenomenal so far. 18 on 7 of 11 shooting. Yeah, you figured that Devin Booker would be able to have a little bit of a bounce back in. For the Suns, Drake, Jay Crowder was really the only guy that could buy a 3 
last game for the Suns. Two of four from distance, so he has come to play in this one as well. He's already made a pair of triples, and for Devin Booker, 7-11. So he's really been doing a little bit more inside than anything else, which I think is good because his jump shot has been flailing a little bit, but when he's been able to drive to the dish, he's been most effective in the series that way. 47-45, Phoenix in front. Again, it's been a big Devin Booker night. Uh, Milwaukee closing four-and-a-half-point favorites everywhere. Total close 220-and-a-half, 221, depending on where you were at, Greg. And so far, trend under, trend Phoenix. Yep, and what I think is really big for Phoenix right now is that Frank Kaminsky has not come into the game. We were talking about this yesterday with John Von Tobel, the fact that the injury to Dario Sarge has been hurting the Suns a little bit. But Torrey Craig is a guy that has been able to fill the void so far tonight, has come in. He hasn't necessarily given the team a ton of points, but you can tell that defensively he's been doing a great job for the Suns team on given minutes. No disagreement there. Again, Aiden, who who was very effective but didn't play a lot because of foul trouble in the, in the last game, not as effective offensively, but he already has double-digit rebounds, Greg. Yep, with Aiden, he just... He finds a way to be able to impact the game for the Suns. There are some nights where he needs to become the, I guess you call it, more dominant guy on offense, give the team 20-plus. There are other games in which he's pretty much a designated rebounder. Whatever they need from him, he's been able to do. 49-47, a timeout on the floor in Milwaukee with just under two minutes to go. It is, again, the Devin Booker show so far, Greg Peterson. 20 first-half points. For Book, and that really difficult fadeaway over the top of Pat Connaughton. You can't play much better break. No, there's nothing you can do there if you're, uh, if you're Connaughton uh, on that one. But again, uh, right now, if you're looking at live lines, the totals come back up from where it was in between quarters, Greg. The total in between quarters was 209.5. It's back to 216.5. And, and Phoenix, not yet a favorite, but only getting a point and a half and even money now on the money line. Yep, I think that Phoenix has a good chance of being able to hold on to be able to get this one outright if they can continue to get the good rebounding that Aiden has been showing. Let's get going here. Yeah. Let's get going here on an ICAP on Visa. It is the nightcap here on VSIN. Happy to be with you. I'm Jeff Parles, Greg Peterson alongside. Game four of the NBA Finals. Well underway, nearing halftime. Devin Booker has been the star tonight so far. Phoenix leads 49-47. Phoenix closed either a four or four and a half point underdog, depending on where you were betting. Uh, total closing either 220, 220 and a half, 221, mostly 221, mm-hmm. depending on where you were looking there, Greg. And as of right now, Phoenix leading by two, currently a point and a half underdog in this one against Milwaukee. And it has been the Devin Booker show who has 20 in the first half. It has been. And what I think is going to be key for the Suns is that you know that at some point Devin Booker probably not going to keep up this pace. If he continues on, he's going to be scoring a little bit north of 40 points since we've got about two minutes left in the first half. But also, Chris Paul, two points and four assists so far with two turnovers. He has not been effective at all. And yet here the Suns are, up by two points. I think that that's actually something that is very encouraging for the Suns that Chris Paul arguably having his worst game since he wound up being a little bit ineffective when he wound up coming back in that Clippers series. And still, team has a two-point lead on the road. 49-47. Devin Booker tonight, point total either 27.5 or 28.5, depending on where you were looking, Greg. And I was on the three-pointers made over 2.5 in Game 3. Obviously, that did not come home as Booker was one of seven from three at uh, Bet Rivers or, or DraftKings, minus 121 on a juice for a 27.5 for Booker, who is well on his way. But if you have the three-point prop, you have bad news so far for Booker. He's only taken one, Greg. So a total reinvention of the wheel here of, you know, we're going to go back to the bread and butter, the old-school mid-range game tonight for Book, and it has worked in a big way so far. It absolutely has, and what I think has been big is that we just saw with Booker the last few games, the three-point shooting, and 
really ever since he broke his nose. Credit to John Von Tobel for pointing this out yesterday on this program, that his outside shooting just after he broke his nose has not necessarily been as effective. So he's went inward a little bit. He's trying to drive to the cup a bit more, taking a lot more mid-range jumpers, and he has been incredibly effective getting off the three-point line and driving in. 49-47, late in the first half. Bridges, a corner three is good. So Phoenix now up by five. Phoenix was up as much as 11 in this first half, Greg. Milwaukee's been able to fight back, but again, this Suns team, Greg, you still like them in five going into yep. tonight. And right now, Milwaukee down by five, still down by five after a miss from Drew Holiday from three, but nice play from Middleton to Giannis. So we're going to have a second-half line in a moment here. I'm intrigued to see where we land here. If you have a, if you have a 220-and-a-half total, you're still going to be behind, or 221, but you're not going to be as behind as it looked like it was going to be at halftime. Uh, right now we're at 101 total points with 57 seconds to go. You probably get, maybe if you're lucky, another 4 or 5 here, Greg, at the end on your total. Uh, I would anticipate the second half total is going to be right on what it normally would be, about 109-110 for the second half total. And what I think is going to be intriguing is for the second half spread, are you going to be putting at right around 2.5, more around at 2-ish as well, because that's going to indicate whether you need the Bucks to win outright or not. If it lands right here, Middleton's 3 is good, so we're tied at 52 with twenty four, with twenty five seconds to go, so basically one possession left here in the half. Uh, it will be interesting to see where this line lands, Greg. Yeah, it's going to be very fascinating because, as you mentioned, close pretty much across the board four and a half. So, do you wind up getting a two, a two and a half, or perhaps even a three? A good time for the score bug to go down with under a shot clock mm. to go. Uh, there uh, on the broadcast, 52-52, 6.8 to go in the first half. Again, Chris Middleton, much better tonight so far as well. Uh, mid-20s on Middleton for his point total, well on his way with 16 first-half points. Uh, a lot of shots, though, 7 of 15, so not efficient, but he at least is getting his. It was 24-and-a-half at Bed Rivers. And it's been very important to be able to see Middleton be able to get off to these good starts as well as that winds up going short, and we've got a tie game going into the second half. So 52-52, Phoenix covers the first half. Money lines are a wash because of the tie. Tough break if you had Phoenix money line first half. You probably should have gotten home there. Tough break for America, too, because you get a free Taco Bell taco if a team winds up coming back in the second half. Nobody can come back in a tie game. Come on. Yep, that's where my mind was. <laughs> that's where your brain is uh, right now. Uh, we'll, we'll see where the uh, lines behind us come out for the second half. DK has it right on the preflop number of lay, a Bucks laying three and a half. I think that's a little steep. Yeah. Uh, I, I would uh, I would anticipate you're probably going to see more. Greg, I think it should be Milwaukee minus two. That would be what I would make it. Two, maybe two and maybe a half. If hook. you're north of two and a half, that's just too much. Yeah, I, you and I agree there. Uh, Greg will be uh, will be on uh, on on his odd screen as soon as these pop yep. here uh, to tell us what it is. Total, uh, one, uh, first half total goes under regardless of what number you had. Uh, 108, 109, 110, all those, no good. All unders on the first half with a landing at 104. Second half total, I think it could be one, one, 109 and a half. So we get a 213 and a half. That would be my guess. Right now, I'm seeing on DraftKings the Bucks in game right now laying three and a half. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's three and a half. You have a, you have a total there, Greg? Total for the game, 217 and a half. So. Okay. So that's, uh, so that 217 and a half, say, uh, 211 and a half for the second half. No, uh, 213 and a half. Because we've got 104, right? Yep, 213. You're, yeah, so that's, I, I don't know if I would, I, a, a 111 and a half, would, I would consider going over 112 and a half. 113 is where I start, start balking a little bit. Uh, just looking possession-wise, not a lot of free throws in that half, Greg. Uh, on the Phoenix side, they took six. Milwaukee took a lot of free throws at 13. Neither team good from three either. No one good from three. Milwaukee very bad. Uh, from three at uh, three for 16. But uh, you know what? Based off this box score, I think this is a Milwaukee bet in the second half if you're going to make me bet this. 
I would still be looking at the Suns because I just take a look at the way the Chris Paul played in the first half. And, I mean, it was just one of these situations in which it was almost, I would say, worse than when he wound up coming back in that Clippers series as he wound up having in the first half two points, four assists, two turnovers. You got to feel like that's going to turn around. Jay Crowder has been the guy that has really been making threes for the Suns. Wound up going six of seven in game three. He's two of four here in game four. And you got to figure that the Suns bench production, they wound up having a combined 10 points in the first half. That's going to be going up as well. I wound up taking the Suns pre-flop, and I still like my position. 113 is your second half total behind us. So that's a 217 for the game. Yep. Bucks laying three and a half. I'm going to stay off. I'm going to stay off. I'm going to see if Phoenix jumps out in the second half at all and then take Milwaukee coming back. A little bit surprising that we had a even up first half, and it's a three-and-a-half-point line considering this wound up opening at four, closed at four. Close four-and-a-half. Pretty much right on the number, uh, which I'm with you. I'm a little surprised that it's not a little shorter with what we saw in that first half. Uh, I would imagine more than anything, look, uh, it was a big Devin Book. You look at it both ways here. Phoenix is tied because Devin Booker at 20. No one else did anything offensively. Mm -hmm. And Milwaukee, they're in this game because they took a ton of free throws at 11 to 13, but were horrible from three. So to me, it does indicate a Milwaukee bet. I'm just not comfortable laying the full three and a half based off of what I've seen. And also, I have four in pocket anyway, so why would I double up? And what else I think is interesting is that Brooke Lopez was actually relatively effective on the offensive end. He wound up having 10 points. I know that there has been the best of Brooke Lopez and the worst of Brooke Lopez in this postseason, but he had as many rebounds as the two of us, and DeAndre Aiden doing a great job down low on the glass for the Suns. Not necessarily giving you a lot of production when it comes to points, but nine rebounds. How is it possible that a seven-footer in an NBA game can have zero rebounds when he played 14 minutes in the first half? How's that possible? I I mean, it's not uncommon for Lopez to go under his rebound totals, even though they're not large numbers. Usually six and a half, seven and a half on the high end for Lopez rebound totals, but a goose egg? Come on now. Yeah, that's really, really hard to do. I mean, you could just trip and fall into one with guys just batting the ball around and it just winds up finding you in the hands. To have zero rebounds in the first half, that is actually relatively impressive given how many possessions we wound up seeing in the first half. That's just wild to me. Uh, Greg, it'll be interesting to see in this second half. You brought it up before. Chris Paul had his worst half of the series Yeah, in that first half. Only took four shots, had multiple turnovers. Did have four assists, which is fine, but below Chris Paul pace. Also two turnovers, which for him is high. Yeah, well, he had the six earlier in, in, in the series in game two. but That was incredibly it, uncommon. It's been, a, it's been a pretty mediocre showing so far from CP3. Yeah, it's been Devin Booker and really just a cast of others. And then when you take a look at the Bucks, it's been actually a little bit more spread out with Chris Middleton coming on strong with 16 points in the first half. That was good, but the caution of that is we also wound up seeing Chris Middleton score a double-digit amount of points in the first half of Game 3. In the second half, he wound up falling off a little bit. Now, the Bucks were in much better standing. They had a nice first-half lead, and then from there, they were just able to coast to victory, but... It's going to be interesting to see if Chris Middleton is able to have similar numbers in the second half that he had in the first half because that did not wind up happening in the last game. 52-52 at halftime in Milwaukee. Uh, the, the Bucks again, need a win to not this series at two apiece. And if Phoenix wins, Phoenix will be, uh, will be favored to close it out in five as Greg Peterson has. Yep, and that would really put the Bucks behind the eight ball. Trying to come back from a 3-1 deficit. It's happened before in all sports, but that's not a place where you want to be, and I think that that's very obvious. No, of course, absolutely there, uh, Greg. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, again, Giannis, not the same Giannis we have seen in this series so far. A little bit better at the end of the half. Uh, has 12-7-4, and four, which, again, pretty Good stat line if he wasn't going for 40 and forty with uh, double-doubles earlier in the series, Greg. And if you took one of my favorites, Uh-oh. the no three-pointer for P.J. Tucker tonight, pretty much his player prop has been a half a three this entire series. He has yet to attempt a three, so right now you're in the clubhouse on that one. P.J. Tucker's yet to attempt a field goal. Yeah. 
Tucker so far, again, uh, point total was low yet again. It was a four and a half on P.J. Tucker. And looking so far so good on the under. <laughs> yep, he is clearly not out there for his offense. This is a defensive stopper and really a defensive stopper only at this point, quite literally, because he has attempted as many field goals as the two of us. Well, the benches, again, you mentioned no Frank Kaminsky in that first half. Benches have tightened on both sides, both teams, only with three bench players apiece so far. Phoenix with 11 bench points, only five bench points, and seven shot attempts, one of seven from the field for Milwaukee's bench, which has been Portis, Teague, and Connaughton. They do have two points from Teague at the free throw line. But again, this is one of those where the the theory that we had before with the role players playing better at home in this series, Milwaukee's role players haven't done much tonight. Middleton, again, we mentioned before, 16 points, sure, but it's on 15 shots, so he hasn't been horribly efficient. And when you take a look at the Suns, I just have a little bit more faith in someone from their bench breaking out. We saw the just emphatic Cameron Johnson dunk earlier in the series. He has been terrific throughout the postseason. Cameron Payne has had his moments as well. He had 20-plus points earlier in the postseason. So, I mean, you've got a lot of guys that I like. And Torrey Craig has actually done a relatively okay job given these circumstances. I know that he was a little bit banged up going into Game 3, wound up playing. You could tell that he wasn't as effective in that game as he is tonight as well. So, if you're looking at the benches to give you a little bit of boost, I would have a little bit more confidence in the Suns, even though we did see earlier in the series as well, Pat Connaughton go off and hit quite a few threes in game two. The, uh, the Greg, any movement on the second half line right now anywhere? Right now I'm seeing mostly three and a half across the board. We have okay. seen the total go down to a two sixteen and a half overall for the game. Okay, so so that's not surprising based off of what we said before. I'm not surprised that the totals come down a little bit. Yeah, so now it's a two twelve and a half a second. Yeah, I, I, I or one twelve and a half. One twelve and a half for a second half. half. Yeah. I would this is when now we're starting to get in the area code where you can where you start thinking about the over. Start thinking about it. Not there yet. Uh, to, to pull the to pull the trigger on it, Greg, but you start thinking about it right now. And I just have trepidations with taking overs in buck in anything related to the Bucks this postseason because they have been a completely different team during the regular season. They were one of the most explosive offenses in the NBA. Here in the postseason, they have really tightened up defensively. You can tell that it's just all about get the ball to Giannis, have him drive to the hole, and you really haven't had a lot of outside shooting for the Bucks aside from game two when Connaughton wound up going off. Connaughton so far, a, uh, a goose egg yeah. so far, but does, a, unlike in game two, even with the 14 points, he does have plus nine, so he's been effective defensively in this game so far. Uh, a few moments from the beginning of the second half. Again, Milwaukee laying three and a half live. Uh, total either 216 and a half or 217, depending on on where you are betting right now. It is the nightcap, too. Greg Peterson and Jeff Parles. Uh, that's me, Jeff Parles. He's Greg yeah. Peterson. Uh, if you're listening on audio only, I was pointing to Greg as I said his name uh, <laughs> earlier there. But, uh, Greg, it just... If Milwaukee wins this game, I am intrigued to see how people bet series prices. Because Milwaukee then will have held serve at home. I'm curious to see how far different... It is from what it was pre-series because of the unknown of Giannis. I would imagine Phoenix would still probably be about minus 125, minus 130 in Milwaukee were to win this game. And again, high score at halftime, 52-52 between the Bucks and the Suns. We'll continue on. We'll actually continue that discussion about what potential series prices may look like, depending on the result from tonight. Next on the Nightcap. I'm Jeff Marles, Greg Peterson alongside. Happy to be with you on a Wednesday night. Normally not that much on the Wednesday night after the MLB All-Star game. Typically, not the case this year. I was about to say, typically we're looking at like the summer league and it's like, oh, the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Suns rookie slash second year players laying three and a half points. But we've got a little bit more tonight. 
By the way, also Guatemala, Mexico is coming up soon in the Gold Cup. All right. So I we, think that Mexico's laying three goals. They are. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not going to bet that one. Unlike last night, which again we ended ended in despair for Granada yesterday, losing four nil. So, well, hey, at least you got shame. the tie in the Panama. Game. Yes, the uh, the draw. Come on, hoops. You got to get you got to get the proper terminology here. Uh, Bucks are going to close three and a half point second half favorites behind us, uh, Greg. Uh, so it, we kind of opened this door as we were going to break last segment. What uh, what would you expect the price to be on Phoenix if Milwaukee wins tonight? Phoenix will still be favored if the series is not at a two. I think it's probably going to be either mine, uh, laying a dollar twenty-five or a dollar thirty. On the series, Greg, on Phoenix, if Milwaukee wins this game, if Phoenix wins this game, then uh, then, then we're we're looking at stratosphere numbers, obviously, yeah. on the Suns. If it winds up being the Suns, you're probably not going to want to take a price on the Bucks, but you'll probably be able to get a very very nice price on the Bucks. If the Suns wind up losing this game, I would still put them right around a minus one fifty ish favorite. Personally, I think that. With Giannis just being a little bit still shaky, hasn't looked quite as great in this game, and the Suns being able to have home court advantage, I would still think that the Suns would be a relatively sizable favorite, but obviously you wind up going now to a best-of-three series, and it gets a little bit more unpredictable from there. Phoenix has the lead back. Uh, early goings in this third quarter, as Phoenix has scored the first three, and Chris Paul just... I just short-armed a, a bunny there Yeah, that would have put the Suns up five early in the second half. Uh, we will keep you apprised as we continue the whole way through here. Uh, Suns, again, if they win, they'll have a three games to one lead in this series, which, again, it can be done. It's done very famously back in 2016, obviously, Greg. Oh, yes. Uh, with a... Uh, with a team against a team that is far better than either of these teams with that 16 Golden State team obviously blowing a 3-1 lead to LeBron in Cleveland that year. But uh, if, it, if it's 3-1, I just I, I don't think Milwaukee has has enough to, uh, to win three straight against this Phoenix team. And unlike the Cavaliers, I don't think that they're going to get a fortunate suspension either. So there's no, that. I don't, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to... Uh, Gonna gonna hit someone in uh, in an area you don't want to get hit. No, that would not uh, be like good. Draymond did in that uh, in that, in that series. Uh, and fi- plus, you just don't have that reputation with any of these guys in general that Draymond had too. That's also true. That is right. Well, I mean, Chris Paul can can can, uh, can do some weird things here and there, but not like that. Though. No. Greg Peterson just shutting me down there with the nah there. Uh, we'll see if there's a clear path right now. I don't think there should be because Booker was technically in front of Chris Middleton uh, before uh, before he got rid of the ball looking for Giannis up ahead. Uh, again, uh, Bucks right now trailing by five as we play early in the third quarter in Milwaukee. Uh, Greg, uh, just uh, turning the clock back to last night real quick, uh, and we'll discuss this a little bit later with Will Hill, and we'll discuss this ourselves with uh, just Major League Baseball's second half. Is there anything you can glean from an all-star week that impacts anything in your handicapping at all? No, correct? No. I mean, maybe Matt Barnes will be on shaky ground when it comes to the Boston Red Sox bullpen, but I'm expecting a little bit of regression when it comes to that Red Sox bullpen. They've been a top eight unit all year long. I mean, they have in my opinion, pitch a little bit above their head. Harakazu Saramura, solid reliever. I mean, you've got Garrett Woodlock. He's a solid reliever as well. He's able to give you multiple innings. Is he going to continue a 1-5 ERA? I don't think so. I mean, so there's that. And I also don't think that we're going to see Jared Walsh making sliding catches in the outfield What as makes well. you say that? What I don't think he'll be in the outfield <laughs> to begin with to be able to make said play. No, there's no, there's no angels in the outfield the rest of the season there, Greg, for, uh, for Jared Walsh. Uh, again, first major league appearance at left field. He makes a game-saving play in left field because the all-star game. I will say this. I do expect a little regression from Corbin Burns as well. I, I do agree with you on that, but that was starting already Yeah, as uh, the second half is approaching. Milwaukee down by three, nine and a half to go. In the third quarter, 57-54, Suns lead. When we get back, we're going back to college football. The Big 12, 
Look there next on the Nightcap. Football season is here and right around the corner. That means the VEASAN College Football Betting Guide is coming soon. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule, and early season trends to watch. They have the betting edge this football season. The guide's only $19.99 and discounts are available when you buy early. So now's the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN All Access, All Access I should say, and get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up now, vsan.com slash subscribe. That is the first football read I've had to do, and it is a great feeling, Greg Peterson. That means that we're getting closer and closer. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Milwaukee and Phoenix in the NBA Finals. Uh, Suns lead by five, Greg, at 59-54. What are you seeing right now for live numbers? Right now I'm seeing the Suns as a very slight favorite here. Let's get this all pulled up exactly, but... Last I was seeing, they were about a two-point favorite over there at DraftKings. And right now with a total 209.5, currently seeing Suns one-and-a-half-point favorite, but with minus 120 juice. Uh, 209 and Suns favored by a point-and-a-half behind us here, Greg. I think I'm going to take a piece of uh, – I think I'm going to take a piece of Milwaukee. Getting the – Getting the safety net of the point and a half as well is big because I think that this could come down to the final possession. And the Suns have been amazing at the free throw line all postseason long. So if you wind up having them be down by like a point, they wind up having two free throws to win the game, could easily land one. I actually am not going to take it because I don't like the juice on the one and a half. So there you go. What were you having, a minus 120? Yeah. I'm going to wait. We'll see if we can get a better uh, number. As we go along here, let's go to the Big 12 in football here because we had the college football read and we got to talk some college football here. Yeah. The Big 12 is a very easy handicap for me. If Spencer Rattler is as good as people think he is and as he was coming out of high school in Arizona as the number one prospect in the NFL and a, fu- a potential future number one overall pick, Oklahoma is going undefeated and Oklahoma has a legitimate chance to win the national championship this year, Greg. They're a big favorite of DraftKings to win the conference, minus 180. Not as big as we saw with Clemson or Alabama in, the, uh, <laughs> uh, in their respective conferences. Actually, Oklahoma's longer than Alabama. Alabama's minus 167. But the lack of depth after the top three, I'll throw Texas in there, leads me to believe, and again, Iowa State, of course, beat Oklahoma in the regular season and flipped around and lost in the Big 12 title game last year. Uh, Iowa State basically has everybody back. Matt Campbell's still there, an elite college coach. Brock Purdy, who I really don't think is all that good, but has had success at Iowa State. Feels like he's been there since, like, the dawn of time. Yeah, but again, Brees Hall is the guy there. The running back is the guy there for Iowa State, and they'd really be on his legs if Iowa State is going to be able to pull an upset and win a Big 12. And then Texas, look, you have... you have question marks with at head coach because, <laughs> let's face it, Steve Sarkeesian did not handle the other big job that he had uh, particularly well, Greg. And no. there, unfortunately, there will always be questions about about Sark uh, in that regard. He was good at Washington, but look, he, it's an Alabama offensive coordinator getting one of the biggest jobs, if not again to them in in a. In in Austin, they think it's the biggest job. Texas is back every single year. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, you you have a new quarterback down there. Uh, it, it's either going to be Casey Thompson or Hudson Card. Uh, with Ellinger finally, I'm kind of surprised Ellinger actually just didn't stay. Uh, in all honesty, yeah. Greg. But but look, uh, it's Oklahoma's league to lose as the odds in, uh, dictate. And if again, if Spencer Rattler is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, which he may be the best. He is the a Heisman favorite for a reason. If he's in the top two or top three quarterbacks in the country, Oklahoma wins this league easily, and they're going to have a shot to win the national championship. 
I don't know if they're going to be able to win the national championship per se, but I certainly think that they are the class of the Big 12. I am with you to that point. And when you take a look at Oklahoma, because you were mentioning it, Brees Hall, best running back in the conference, and he might be the best running back in the country. He's that good. But, I mean, Eric Gray over there at Oklahoma as well, he's one of the, I would consider him at minimum top five backs in all of college football as well. I think that he's going to be able to do a great job with Oklahoma. You've got a very balanced attack. When you take a look at Texas, you've just got so many question marks, as you alluded to. Sam Ellinger had been there for seemingly 100 million million years. You have to move on from him. You've got a coaching change. The defense should be relatively solid for Texas, but now you're bringing in an offensive mind in Steve Sarkeesian, so that might wind up taking a little bit of a fall off as well. I just think that this is a scenario in which you take a look at this Big 12, it is Oklahoma very clearly number one. I feel like Iowa State is very clearly number two as well. Yeah, and I then agree. I don't even know if I would consider Texas very clearly number three because I think that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, I think that they could make things interesting. Even for a lesser extent, TCU, just because I give so much credence to what Gary Patterson has been able to do over the years. It's been a couple lean years for them, but I think that TCU might be able to make it a little bit more interesting. I'm just that high on Texas right now. Well, the the big thing, too, uh, Max Dugan's still there. Again, yep. we're going to be saying that a lot this year in college football because everyone got an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. So you're going you're gonna to be seeing, a, like we talked about the other day, Greg, most teams are returning 75%, 80% of their starters, which are numbers that you normally don't see. It's very rare to see those type of numbers, but... Look, TCU is a is a team that's interesting down the road. Same with Oklahoma State. Sanders still there mm-hmm. at quarterback. The bottom half of this league, I think, is going to really stink. Oh. Uh, Kansas West, over under one win. Yeah, I'm surprised it's one. Um, it, 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 in all honesty, they'll get their they'll get one. I think, I think they're playing the I, South Dakota Coyotes. I think they'll get one again. Having Lance Leopold there, that was a shockingly good hire for them. I remember <laughs> him back when he was at UW at, Whitewater. Whitewater. Yeah. Yep. WIEC, he was just so dominant in that conference. Guy knows how to coach, so that is good, and Kansas is going to get their win. I'm not so sure, but I remember South Dakota was really good this past year in FCS. We're in the title game. Keep in mind when it comes to FCS as well. uh, South Dakota State was in the title game. Keep in mind with the FCS teams, though, they wound up having to play in the spring, so that's going to be a tight turnaround, too. There are other non-con games are at Coastal Carolina and at Duke. Good luck. They're gonna have, seriously. They're not getting over one. I would bet the under one on that. I would That's bet under one. That's the only way that you can go. Because hey, yeah. I mean, if you take the over one, you gotta figure that you've got to push. But there's a chance that you could wind up losing that. And yeah, man, you're basically at the under. You don't actually. Let me rephrase that. You have to see what the money line number is on South Dakota in week one before you make that bet. You might get because better. You might just be better off betting South Dakota money line. And if they win, then that bet was probably coming home anyway. Yep, exactly. Um, there you go. Will Hill, point spread weekly contributor, going to join us next. Also, Phoenix leading 65-61 halfway home in the third quarter of Game 40 NBA Finals. Instantly. More at indeed.com slash credit. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. I'm Jeff Parles, Greg Peterson alongside. Quick update before we get to our guy, Will Hill, who, of course, VEASAN contributor, point spread weekly writer for uh, basically whatever the topic may be of that day. Topic du jour, usually, for our guy, Will Hill. If we need him to do Chilean soccer, I'm sure that he will Break that down like an ace. He does don't, everything. Don't don't t- don't tempt anyone with Chilean soccer right now, since we got Gold Cup action. Even <laughs> though uh, uh, the uh, 
the South of the uh, South American uh, Championship was won by Argentina last week. Uh, Phoenix leads Milwaukee 69-67. The big news here with 3.54 to go in the third quarter. Devin Booker has gone over his point total. He has 30, but he has four fouls. So he's on the bench, likely for the remainder of this third quarter. Let's bring Will Hill in right now. And, Will, let's just, let, let's just start right out of the gate here. What are your thoughts on what has transpired so far in Milwaukee tonight as the Bucs have just retaken the lead with three and a half to go in the third quarter? Well, if you hear me getting a little choked up, it's not, it's just my allergies. It's not the fact that I have a Chris Paul <laughs> 30 to one MVP ticket and he's got what? Two points, four points. So it's just allergies. I'm not crying. And I promise, <laughs> oh man, I just unbe- unbelievable turn there. I think Booker has really, uh, t- obviously, People are more concerned about the game, but Booker, from an MVP standpoint, has nudged himself back into the conversation. But, look, I think we're due for a good game. I mean, these two teams are pretty evenly matched. And through three games, every every uh, you know margin has been double-digit victory. So I guess we're just kind of due for a good one here, and it looks like we're going to get it. The Suns have had their chances here to put Milwaukee away, and they haven't, which is always dangerous, especially on the road. So I like Milwaukee coming in. I, I still think they probably get this game, especially you know the fact that Phoenix has not been able to put them away. And what I think is so interesting is that we're looking at a live total right around 213 and a half, depending on where you look. And this has been very much an under series. This is a number that closed right around 220, give or take a little bit. And I just take a look at the way that the Bucks played in the regular season and the postseason. And I think you've got to be evaluating this offense a little bit differently just because they haven't been hitting as many outside shots. But Giannis has been doing a great job of getting to the hole. And that's been their main form of offense here the entire playoffs. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought? If you would have made a first-half field goal attempts over-under for Giannis at eight and a half, I think we would all ran to bet the over, and he finished the first half with eight field goal attempts. I mean, the Bucks sometimes are their own worst enemy, and they can get, seems like, whatever they want in the paint at the rim, and they go through these funks where they just settle for outside shots. They really run bad offense. But their defense, you know, even when they struggled against the Nets and the Hawks at times, their defense has really come to play consistently throughout the playoffs. Phoenix is a good defensive team, so... I, I, I lean towards the under with most of these games, but again, it's not even about the defense sometimes. Sometimes you can you know have the right read in terms of the defense is playing well, but the pace can get you or the free throws can get you. So, you know, sometimes and sometimes it just comes down to garbage time. And we saw it last game, it came down to garbage time. You know, it stayed under. Uh, I think in game one, Connaughton hit a three late to put it over. So, you know, you could handicap these until you're blue in the face and do a good job doing it. Sometimes it just comes down to, you know, a make or miss late in, uh, in garbage time. Devin Booker is back in the game with four fouls. He just hit a jumper to get up to 32. Marble so it's now 73-70 at a media timeout. Phoenix leading. And, uh, uh, Will, you, you mentioned that you have that Chris Paul MVP ticket, uh, which uh, all of a sudden went from, uh, I-, I was going to say, a slam dunk to it's going to be a heck of a sweat, potentially, if Phoenix wins this game on the shoulders of Booker and Game 5, uh, I, I, looming uh, with Phoenix with having a chance potentially to close it out if they win tonight. But would, would you look to get off of that ticket? If you, again, you're not alone. A lot of a lot of people out there, especially for people who have been listening to our network the last few weeks, uh, have a Chris Paul MVP ticket. It, it's hard. I could get off of it. But, I mean, sitting at 31, I was hoping for a monster payout. I mean, I guess I, I'm not sure what the odds will be going in. I'm thinking, you know, Paul, it would probably be Paul and Booker, maybe even Booker a slight favorite. So I mean, I could get a little back with Booker, but it's you know it's hard to uh, hard to match that thirty to one payout I was kind of expecting with Paul here, and and sort of hedging with taking the Bucks, figuring if the Bucks didn't win, I'd have Paul with the MVP. I really thought it was a two man race between Paul or uh, Anthony Cupo for whoever's team wins. That player is going to win the series. But uh, you know when you when you got two points or four points, and, and the second you know candidate Booker has thirty, that can swing things and uh, swing things quickly. I agree with you, and we're talking about one team from the state of Arizona. I know that you do a great job in Point Spread Weekly taking a look at all things baseball, and some of the biggest takeaways for me in the first half of the season was the fact that we saw the Arizona Diamondbacks go on an 11-53 and run to end the first half of the season over the course of 64 games. I can't remember a team ever doing so. If you wound up just betting $100 every game, against the Arizona Diamondbacks, you're up at this point for the year north of $2,000 if you just wound up betting the money line. I'm not sure what some of your big takeaways were from the first half of the season and some of the teams that you might be looking to backslash fade, but 
Certainly, betting against the Arizona Diamondbacks has been very profitable, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. No, you're right, but these bookmakers, they're uh, they're evil, they're smart, they seem to catch on, and they make it hard to play against them. You know, I've actually, you know, try to think as a contrarian, try to think outside the box. I've actually been looking to bet on Arizona, whether it's with run lines or adjusted run lines, because some of the, the money lines are just so outrageous, so inflated. You know, when you get a big public streak like this one way or the other, uh, you know, the book the bookmakers catch on, the public catches on, and uh, sometimes there's value going the other way, so... Not sure. Not sure. Arizona's got a playoff run in them, but uh, these lines are just makes it really hard to bet against them at times. Well, just just looking at the second half, uh, I asked Greg this question, and I'll ask you this question because uh, obviously we have all, all sort the division odds, the updated win totals. But just looking at the division odds here, the six favorites going in uh, going into the second half to win their divisions are Boston, the Chicago White Sox, Houston, the New York Mets. Milwaukee and the LA Dodgers of those six favorites right now, who is the one that is least likely to actually win their division? Uh, So one you're looking to bet someone else potentially in those division futures. Yeah, I would say Boston just because, you know, I like them coming into the season. I thought they made me be, you know, a a little over 500. Their season win total, I think was 79 and a half. I took them Mm -hmm. as an over. I thought they were a sleeper for a wild card. I just don't think they have the pitching to win a division. I still don't think they do. You know, the Pavettas of the world, the Garrett Richards, uh, you know, Rodriguez giving them a nice season. Eovaldi's pretty good. But to me, to, to hold up for over 162, I know the lineup's really good. But to win a division, it comes down to pitching. And I just don't think they have the pitching. Now, who's going to jump up and steal it? You know, I don't know that Toronto has the pitching either. Uh, Yankees are probably too far back to make a run. I do think they'll have a big second half. Um, you know, I guess Tampa Tampa would be the team, but they're down glass. No, they're kind of, uh, you know, a, a sum is greater than all their parts team too. So uh, I, I would lean towards Boston not being able to hold up just because I don't think they have the pitching. Um, the Mets are another one. I, I have some futures tickets on them. I'm a little worried about them because they have a stretch in August where they play the Dodgers, the Giants, and then the Nationals. I think it's all 25 games straight with just those four teams. They've got a, a West Coast trip back to, back east where they, they play the Giants and the Dodgers again. So it might be tough for them to hold on. But again, who's going to jump up and take it? Acuna's out for the Braves. Uh, I, I saw Anderson was banged up. They're obviously not getting Soroka back. They might be sellers. The Nationals can't seem to get it together. Maybe Philly. Maybe Philly with Nolan Wheeler at the top of the rotation. They can certainly hit. I don't know that they have the bullpen, but those are two teams, if anybody, that uh, if, if anyone were going to not hold on, I, I think the Mets and the Red Sox you know, might have a tough time. And the other and the other division race I think is very fascinating is the NL Central because all of a sudden the Reds are now just four games back. Luis Castillo was absolutely horrible to begin the season. He's been able to pick it up. I could see the Reds be buyers at the trade deadline, especially with what winds up happening this week because you've got the Reds and the Brewers doing battle for a three-game series. The Reds were able to take the last three from the Brewers to be able to get back into this. And I think that this upcoming series this weekend between the Reds and the Brewers is so pivotal because if the Brewers wind up getting a sweep, that'll really put a death nail in the Reds being able to make that run to try to get back into the division. Meanwhile, if the Reds win two out of three or three out of three, you've all of a sudden got yourself a dead heat. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, look, I think they're getting Sonny Gray back. They don't have the pitching they had last year. Obviously, I thought I thought they were a really dangerous team last year with Bauer, Castillo, Sonny Gray, and they burned me in that that Brave series where they just couldn't get a run. Man, they had men on base all day. But uh, they're a little more balanced this year, like you said. Castillo has bounced back. I would still favor the Brewers just because, man, that top two, top three of the rotation is really good with Woodruff, Burns, and then Peralta, who made the All Star team, and then the back of the bullpen. I mean, they will not be fun to face if they get them in the playoffs. I don't care who you are, Dodgers, Padres, anybody. You don't, you don't want to see the Brewers because they could really shorten a series on you, shorten a game. You know, with Hader and Williams at the back of the bullpen. You know, a lot like the Nationals a couple years ago, where in a short series, you can just pitch these guys on short rest. You can pitch starters out of the bullpen, and you can basically have an elite arm on the mound basically at all times. So uh, I would think the Brewers would be able to hold on. I agree the Reds are dangerous, and I think the Brewers, if they get in, man, they're not going to be fun to play. He's William Hill. You can get him on the tweets at NotTheWillHill. You, of course, can find his work uh, in Point Spread Weekly, vsin.com for subscribers. Uh, Will, thanks for being with us tonight, buddy. And, uh, again, I'll be rooting with you to get that CP3 Finals MVP ticket home. 
Anytime, guys. Anytime. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. What's the score? Can you get me a score update? I'm itching over here. I'm sure sure, sure thing. 25 seconds ago, third quarter, Phoenix with the ball leading 80-76. to 82-76. 82-76 as Devin Booker scores again. So he continues his big night. So there you go. Phoenix by six as we approach the end of the third quarter. This is the quarter. series. There you go. Yes, uh, this is this is it. All of it right this here. This is the series. This yeah. is it. Well, Will, yeah. th- thank you for being with us tonight, buddy. All right, be good, guys. Anytime I'm a huge fan of the show, I'd be happy to come on again. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thank, th- big thanks to Will Hill for being with us. We are through three in Milwaukee. It has been Devin Booker's night. 38 points for Book. Pretty good. 2 76 through three. Phoenix, 12 minutes away from going up 3-1 and looking to close it out on a Saturday night in the Valley in Phoenix, which, boy, that would be a heck of a party. There, Phoenix can close it out at home. Ryan Ballengee joins us next for our final preview of the Open Championship. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.